Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Now, don't hate me for this, okay? But I have a confession for you as we kind of get underway this morning. And it's all, where are we going here? Um, uh, Not all the time, all right? Not all the time, but uh, quite frequently as I was going through my school years, I would find myself as somewhat of a teacher's pet. Yes! (laughs) Any others? Now, not, I, I, I'm sure no surprise to you, not, not so much for my academic prowess, no surprise in the room, um, but more that sort of, you know, just that sort of cheeky, uh, you know, like, I just felt it was my responsibility to keep everyone smiling and having fun, just the sort of the more class clown sort of variety and I thought I was teacher's pet anyway. I don't know if all of my teachers sort of thought. Just one of the favourites, you know? I don't, I don't know if it was... Any others? Self-confessed? Yeah, I see. Uh, yeah, there you go. Any others in the room that you know were, but they didn't just raise their hand right then? <laughs> we're carrying on in this James series, all right? We're into chapter two. And uh, we're going to build on from what was in chapter 1. But there's two main themes that come through in James 2. Favorites and faith. Favorites and faith. How we are not to play favorites. How we are not to act with favoritism towards people. And then in the second half of the chapter about faith being an action as well as just a belief, that there is, there is wheels to be put on uh, our faith, so to speak. Favorites and faith. If you are exploring faith, if you are new to Christianity, uh, just sort of trying to work it out, James is a great book for you to spend time in because it, it, it just some of the sort of the foundational kind of practical elements of what does a Christian life look like. Equally so, though, if you have been a Christian for decades, James is a great book to spend time in because... You will read it and you'll, fight. you'll have great reminders. You'll have great challenges if you allow them to be there of how to live a Christian life. James, like we've been talking about over these last couple of weeks as we've started the series, he doesn't typically kind of pull any punches, does he? You know, he tells it pretty much as it is. But there is some great wisdom, some great insight, some great invitations for us and how we are to live out this faith in Jesus. So James 2, before we go there, eh? Let's pray. Father, we just invite you, like uh, like Robbie was saying, come Holy Spirit. 
God, as we open up your word, as we focus around this little piece of scripture within James, Father, I pray that you would speak to us and enliven it to our hearts again afresh. Help us to notice the things that you are inviting us into. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? So today what I want to do uh, is I want to I pretty much read all of, almost, uh, James 2, all right? And then we want to dig into these particular uh, main themes that come out, this favoritism stuff and this faith stuff. Sound all right? Okay, that's what we're doing anyway, so. <laughs> okay, so remember, James... Um, uh, it's most likely that it was the James as in James, the brother of Jesus, the, uh, as Matt put it, the over, what was it, the overperforming, the overachieving brother. Um, now, but he was also a significant leader within the early church. And the difference with James is that where Paul and Peter uh, spread out, they took the gospel message outside of Jerusalem, you know, to the outermost parts of the, the world that they knew at that time. James actually stayed put. He stayed within Jerusalem, and he helped to lead the church there. But this letter is written to Christians everywhere. Uh, people who have decided to step into following this Jesus way, and he's trying to communicate things that are important, spreading that message out that way rather than physically going to other places. All right? James 2. Let's go. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Key theme right from the get-go. There's no sort of questioning. There's no guessing. Here it is. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who uh, who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? So remember, this is Roman culture, right? Roman culture is set up in a, in a very overt sort of way to very much favor the rich, all right? So the, 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 the poor, they know that they're poor, and they are way down uh, on, on the pecking order. And he's... He, he's speaking to that very concern within culture that, that, that you would just simply assimilate the culture that's around you rather than taking on the culture that you're invited into in a life of Christ. He's saying be careful not to just bring that by default into your life of faith. In verse 8, if you really, ke- if you, if you really keep the royal law 
found in Scripture. I thought it was very appropriate for the season that we're in, royal law with passing the queen and so forth. This is the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Then down in verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Again, a different law that they're operating under, you know, naturally within the culture. This is a different law, a law that brings freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Then this beautiful kind of final uh, phrase of this part of the chapter in James, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Ain't that the truth? Then he switches gear, all right? So that he moves from this favoritism thing and then still talking about a life of faith and how to live it out, but he switches topic and now he starts talking about it. If you've got an NIV Bible, the little title there is typically Faith and Deeds. It's talking about faith. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, James. If faith is not accompanied by action, is And he's going to repeat that same sentiment at the very end of this chapter, just making the point. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Again, uh, a key Jewish um, declaration, uh, like you find in Deuteronomy 6. uh, Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So it's a key, it's a statement, a proclamation, a statement of faith. God is one. That's why he's using that phrase in there. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So it's got to go more than just, more than just a proclamation, more than just a statement, more than just a label. There's got to be some action that backs it up. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Uh, now, again, if you are new to faith, this is a bit of a crazy story and I'd really encourage you to go and find out the details around it. But But Abraham did this crazy, seemingly crazy thing in response to God's instruction, taking his son, this promised son, up to the altar to be the sacrifice on the altar. Old Testament times, different different time. Go and read the story. It is good. 
obviously at the, at the last moment, God provides the lamb instead of the son, but Abraham's obedience to do that seemingly crazy thing that he would have thought was crazy as well because of his response in faith to what God had instructed him to do. Uh, then down a little bit more in verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Another great story, this beautiful story of God's redemptive power in Rahab, this prostitute. Go and read it in Joshua. And what happens is that she, because of giving lodging to the spies, long story short, she becomes the great grandmother to King David. She's in the genealogy of Christ this prostitute, this beautiful redemptive story of this woman who acted in faith. Then he concludes this section in James, last verse in uh, James 2, coming back to that theme that we just talked about. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. (laughs) So the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deeds is dead. It's quite good to just let that sink in a little bit, eh? Let's take a step back, all right? So let's dig into just a little bit. You still with me? Let's let's dig into these two main themes, okay? Breaking up the the chapter of James. This first theme, favourites. Or favoritism. Again, strong language in it, talking about how we're not to, you know, play favorites. With uh, he uses the example of a wealthy man uh, walking into into their meeting. Don't 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 give undue favor to him. In verse four, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil? Thoughts are in the, in the New Living Translation of the Bible. It puts it this way. Doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? You know, the, at the heart of discrimination is this favoritism towards someone or a group of people, isn't it? You know, Oxford Dictionary defines discrimination the unjust or prejudicial treatment of different categories of people, especially on the grounds of race, age, sex, and disability. The unfair treatment of someone because of some sort of favoritism. Now, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to struggle to find anyone in the room or watching with us online, welcome, by the way, that would say that that discriminating people based on some sort of social category that we find within society or culture or around the world, etc., is okay, right? But I think probably what I'm more likely to find, that we're more likely to find, is that we do have some often very subconscious but underlying things and interpretations and ways of viewing people or categories of people that's actually unjust. And that we may, we, may, we may well interact with particular people 
with that sort of assumption without even really being conscious of it. Honestly, we, we don't need to look far, do we? You know, within our, within our own country, here in New Zealand, we've got plenty of historical and current situations that, that, that tell us that discrimination is still a thing. We go around the globe. I'm, I'm also sure that there's people in the room, you have experienced discrimination firsthand in some way, shape, or form, either to yourself or to someone around you, or even just on a general theme of things. You have seen it. You know what I'm talking about. And James is saying that within the kingdom of God, there is no room for that. No room. It is not okay. You know, part of one of the, the key kind of drivers to, uh, behind the ministry of Jesus was to break down those walls, to make that very clear statement that everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome to a seat at the table. Not, nothing to do with where you grew up, what accent you have, uh, what, what job you do, which suburb you live in, etc., etc., etc. It's got nothing to do with it. Everyone is welcome. Within Jesus' context, Jew and, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, man and woman, healthy and sick, all are welcome. And in that, that verse 8, the, the royal law. The royal, as long as we enact the royal law, that is, love your neighbor as yourself, then we'll be fine, you know? <laughs> and I like, how, I like how that royal law speaks into the kingdom kind of language. You know, the, the kingdom of God, the, the places where Jesus is king, be it within our own hearts or within particular contexts, the kingdom of God, the places where Jesus is king. Yes, there is a societal culture. There is some stuff that happens around us. But whether that be on a macro or micro scale, we can step into a different culture, a kingdom culture. Be it in your workplace, around the neighborhood, whatever, we can step into something new and different where there is no... Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of... All nations, all people everywhere from every background, all are welcome. And he concludes this section of James again, mercy triumphs over judgment. Or in the message version, kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Uh, Tom Wright um, puts, puts it this way in commenting on these verses. He says, mercy isn't the same as a shoulder-shrugging tolerance and anything-goes attitude to life. Anything doesn't go. Anything includes arrogance, corruption, blasphemy, favoritism, and law-breaking of all kinds. If God was merciful to that lot, he would be deeply unmerciful to the poor, the helpless, the innocent, and the victims. And the whole gospel insists that in precisely those cases, his mercy shines out most particularly. So must ours. <laughs> we have been shown mercy, so we therefore 
show mercy towards others. For me, I've got to be conscious that I am a white uh, male uh, from a pretty solid family, and it will, it will, it, it, it will put some, some lenses on the way that I see the world. I have to be conscious of that. And so for all of us, just sort of asking that question, how's, how's my level of, of favoritism towards other people or groups of people? Is, is there any sort of subconscious discriminatory thoughts and thinkings that I've just sort of let filter in to the way that I live? Can we just pause a second? Can we ask that question? Just, just, let's just, let's just ask that question. Just allow God to, to raise stuff in your heart just to make you, help you to be conscious of it, eh? If you want to just um, close your eyes just for a second. God, just before we kind of move on, Lord, we just, we just want to still our hearts. We want to ask, is there any discrimination that I have brought into the way that I live? the way that I see people or groups of people. Just raise, me, raise it right now. Let my mind be conscious of it. God, we want to live in a different way. Help us to do that individually and as a community. In Jesus' name. If something's really raised there, you know, just at some point today, you know, just get someone to pray, pray with you about it. Help kind of work out that next step. Then James switches goes from this favoritism thing, talking about faith and deeds. Again, pretty down the line with it. Like verse 20 in the message, do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? <laughs> and of course, he's following on from a theme that's already been established in James 1. Um, you know, faith is not just hearing the word, you know, it's, it's got some action attached to it. Kind of like if we are just, if we just hear the word, it's kind of like this. Now I've got a uh, delicious packet of um, bluebird chips here. Uh, sour cream and chives, actually. Anyone? Favorites? Favorite chips? I see those hands. I see their hands. Uh, put your hands up again. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Can you just come up, please? Phil? Oh, good. Turkey pants. Good, good, good. Um, Phil, could you, just, could you just open that up? And, uh, can you just open it up, Phil? No questions. Just open it up. And uh, feel free to share those chips around with others. That'd be good. Yeah. What have you got there? Some yummy sour cream and chives. Uh, what have, what have, hang on. What have you got there? What have, what have, Oh, I don't. Probably people at the back can't can't see that. Phil has got a bag of lettuce. 
right? Oh, thank you, Phil, very much. Yeah, you take it. Share it around. People love it. Have you ever bought a product and like the packaging, what's on the outside or what you, know, what you saw in the ad, when you get the product home and you unpackage it and you go to use it, it's just nothing like what they sold you. Anyone? Right? I've got some fun examples uh, up here. Uh, here is some false advertising for you, all right? Uh, so if you can't, can't see that down the back, uh, top right there is a Santa that's actually uh, an Easter bunny. Uh, it's not a Santa at all. You've got the classic, the classic, you know, Big Mac Whopper, you know, how it looks in reality. is not, it's not, it's not real. And then my, probably my favorite is the bottom left here. If you can't see it back, it's a strawberries packet with blueberries inside. <laughs> if we proclaim that we are a Christian by label only, it is like false advertising. And no one likes that. <laughs> at, least, don't, at least don't put the label on you, you know. And to, and to be honest, you know, like, it's how we as Christians through the centuries have got a really bad name. You know, where people have, under the name of God, have gone and done these horrendous things that are nothing like the example of God in Christ that we see. And so for each and every one of us, it's important that we step into an authentic faith. To be honest with you, I'm just not interested I'm not interested in a, in, a, in a faith by label only. I've got better things to do with my time, and I'm sure you do too. But what I am into is a faith that is alive and active and real, that makes a difference in my life and in the lives of the people around me. It's, that's James's simple invitation to us, you know, let your faith and your deeds marry together. Charles Spurgeon, the grace that does not change my life will not change my soul. There is a little balance to this. So if you, if you go into Romans 3, for example, Verse 28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. In other words, we are not saved by, by the works. We are saved by faith. And, and, it, and at surface level, you can think, oh, they're kind of contradictory, isn't it? But actually, James is he's just stepping into the, the next step. Rather than being saved rather than being saved because of the works, the deeds, the acting out of our faith, those deeds, those works, those actions are to come because of the faith that we hold. It's motivation, you know. We are motivated towards those things, showing practical kindness, stepping in to help, acting with integrity, being truthful, being generous, praying for the sick, and, f and for the non-sick, you know, like we just heard about from uh, Rob and Caitlin. Those good works that we are invited into come out of the faith that we profess. And we put faith in all sorts of things every day. I've got faith in this here stage writer. 
I've got faith that it's integrity enough that I can stand on it. I'm not going to fall over. You've got faith in your light switch at home that the electrical circuits are done in such a way that when you press it on, it doesn't you know, electrocute you. You've got faith, and it is followed by an action. The seat that you're sitting on right now, the action of sitting on it is an act of faith. You believe in faith that that chair is strong enough to hold you. So therefore, with our Christian walks, with our faith journey in Christ, what are the actions that are to follow? Faith and deeds. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Uh, picture in creation, Adam is made, God's spirit comes and breathes life into Adam. He becomes a living being, and so it is with our faith as we act in those things that God has invited us into. There is something that can come alive on the inside of us with our faith. If you are here and you feel like your faith has gone a little bit stale or just needs a bit, of a, a, a bit of a zhuzh up, you know, could I suggest to you that there may well be some actions that will help to invite you into that place of being alive in Christ again? You know, like we look at um, the guys who lead our worship, for example. I know it's, a, it's an obvious sort of church example, you know. Here's Joshua just leading out of something. He is acting on the faith that God has given him. And I, and I hope I'm not talking out of turn, but something comes alive on the inside of him as he acts in that way. What could it be for you in your world? And I've, I've tried in the last little while just, to, just simple things, you know, just trying to be more conscious of who God is bringing up in, in my mind and then acting on it. Uh, you know, sending a message of encouragement or whatever, grabbing a coffee, whatever, whatever it is. You know, it doesn't have to be big, fancy things, you know. Just looking for those opportunities to step into faith. And just imagine if we all did that. Imagine it. Imagine the stories that we told. Imagine the testimonies uh, that are on the other side of our actions. Imagine the people who are not here right now, not even watching with us online, who because of your actions would actually discover Christ for themselves. Imagine that. It's just, don't play favorites. Faith and deeds. Let them walk together. Faith and action. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.